Welcome to the Rethinking Christianity podcast, a home to conversations focused on rethinking, challenging, and engaging with Christian thought. You can visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Rethinking Christianity Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Fine, and thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Today on Rethinking Christianity, this episode will be a little bit different than what I usually put out. What I'm usually putting out is commentary on subjects or mostly interviews that I do with people that are writing books uh, and thinkers about Christianity and deconstruction and doubt and the Bible and all of those things. Um, So what I do as my real life job is I work at a church in Georgia and this provides me sometimes the opportunity to get to teach the Bible, which I enjoy doing. And I really take it seriously and I try to approach it in a way that's respectful to the Bible and the context and um, not just, you know, your typical sermon, hopefully. Um, On this episode, what I wanted to do was I am putting the audio version of a sermon that I did recently on Philippians 2. And in Philippians 2, there's this calling of a humility and a servanthood that reflects who Jesus is. And in this episode, I walk through this passage and what that looks like for followers of Jesus. And so in this episode, if you're interested, it's about 20, 25 minutes of me talking through this passage and what the implications are for us as followers of Jesus. If it's something that you enjoy or it speaks to you, reach out to me. I'd love to hear what you have to say. And without further ado, here is the sermon on Philippians 2 in regards to humility and servanthood. So like I mentioned, it, it can be very easy to get caught up in the busyness of our schedules and our lives and just get like going, going, going. Uh, and so the question that I was kind of thinking through of what it means to be a Christian or what it means to like operate in this world as Christians, right? So the question that I'm asking this morning is how should we operate in the world, right? So like how should we be living our lives day to day in the world and for a moment, I want you to think to yourself, like, as followers, as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, what comes to mind? Maybe you want to jot that down for yourself or think to yourself, like, what words, what phrase, what thought? Is there something specific that comes to mind? Um, and something that I was thinking about a lot of times, it, it seems to me, and I could be completely wrong in this, but it does seem a lot of times that Christians are very known for what they are against and not what they're for. And that... We're very good at presenting like the things that like we, we're not we're not with, but we don't do a good job at times presenting. I think the heart of what Jesus was about, and so what I believe is that we should live our lives in a very specific individual way. So like tomorrow you're going to go back to work or you're going to go wherever, uh, and you're going to live your life in a certain kind of way. You as an individual, you're going to like treat people a certain kind of way. You're going to have things that matter to you in a certain kind of way. You're uh, going to respond to different situations and scenarios in your life uh, a specific kind of way. And so you're living individually in a very specific kind of way. And you're living day to day like that. And I think that that individual living is very, very important, right? So that's like your, kind of your identity. Uh, and how Jesus has impacted you, I think, will have a huge influence on how that individual day-to-day living looks like. I think not only do we live in an individual type of way, and we operate in this world in an individual manner, but I think that we should also, we should live our lives in a specific communal way, right? So like we come together this morning, uh, and we gather, and we meet, 
uh, and we live our lives as a community. We kind of come here, and, I, and my hope is that, you know, that church is not just this one Sunday event that we make it be, but it's this, like, doing life together and living life together. And so there's this individual kind of living that we operate in, and then there's this community type of living that we operate in. And this is what I think is really interesting about what it means to be Christian, is that I think that we can have correct belief and miss the whole point of what Jesus is calling us to do. We can have, like, all the right doctrine, all the right theology. We can, like, know the ABCs of what it means to be a Christian. You can have all the right Sunday school answers, and I think you can still miss the whole point of what Jesus is calling us to. And so the way that we live as Christians individually and communally, so that individual living, and then how we operate as a family, as a family of Christians, as we're supposed to be, that, you know, all the time Paul is saying brothers and sisters, right, when he's writing those letters, and, and there's this family aspect to it. The way we live as Christians individually and communally reflects what we truly believe about God, right? So you can have correct belief, but if your life is lived in a certain kind of way, I think we can miss the point. And so this is what this kind of looks like. I couldn't find, I, I didn't have enough room to put a boy and a girl, so sorry, sorry ladies, this is whatever. So both reflect our beliefs, your individual living and our communal, like, family church living. And I think a lot of times, like I said, we kind of miss this. And so the big question that we have to ask ourselves, I think I asked some students this recently, I asked the question, how many of y'all wake up to an alarm clock every day, or your mom comes in, they wake you up, right? And all of them are like, oh, my mom wakes me up, or I have an alarm. That is something that impacts your day every single day. It wakes you up. It gets you up. It's the thing that it is. I was, I was like, what is something that I can think about that impacts our day every day, right? So the question in relation to that is, how does Jesus impact our day-to-day life? Like, like what, is Jesus something that is something that invades your day-to-day life or has an impact on your day-to-day life where it's like, I'm a follower of Jesus, and it's going to impact me, and I'm going to live this kind of way. And then the question of com- community-wise, we are followers of Jesus. It's going to impact my day-to-day. It's going to impact how we operate as a community, right? So how does Jesus impact living, how we live our lives? We can have correct belief, and we can miss the whole point. And so what we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at a passage in Philippians. And in Philippians, I think it's, really, it's a really popular passage. Um, it's a passage that, that seeks to give those in Philippi unity. So in, in Philippians, we're given instructions by Paul to those in Philippi of what it looks like to reflect what we believe about Jesus. So there's 11 verses here. The first, like, four are these, uh, these verses about unity. And then the last, like, 5 through 11 are these verses of what it looks like to, I think, achieve unity or reflect this living of following Jesus. And so, if you're curious of where Philippi is, it is right there near Rome, near Ephesus. This is where Paul was doing his business. He was, he started down here. I don't know if there's a laser on this. Oh, that's cool. So he started down here, made his way up. And so he's he's writing a letter to these folks. And... He writes this letter from prison, and the difference between this letter and many of the other letters is this letter was a letter of encouragement and, like, reminders and praise. Like, Philippi, they had it going. They were, they were 
good church, whereas in other letters, like to those in like Corinthians and things like that, uh, there's a lot of correction. This is Paul is writing from prison. He is expecting, honestly, to not make it to see them again. He hopes to see them again, but he is giving them this final, this like exhortation of like, this is what I want you to do. And so what we find in this letter, in these first 11 verses, is Paul gives the church at Philippi two imperatives that we as well can receive today. These are two like two things he's calling us to do, and I think it has a lot to do with how it impacts our individual living and our communal living. And so let's look at these verses. In Philippians 2, 1 through 4, it begins like this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, and this is where he gets into the heart of what he's communicating, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own or their own interests, but also to the interests of others. What we see here is Paul's first instruction is to live together united. There's this calling of unity. There's this calling of, uh, like, regardless of what happens, regardless of what you run into, regardless of the persecution you may face, whatever happens, you guys need to stay united. You need to stay like this. Brothers and sisters, stay a family. And we see this. He says, complete my joy. Like, make my joy complete by being of the same mind to thinking similarly, having the same mind about Christ, having the same love towards one another, loving each other equally, caring about each other equally, walking with each other in love equally, and being in full accord and of one mind. And it's a really like, interesting challenge because like, I'm the type of person where I kind of find joy in disagreeing with people sometimes. Like, are any of y'all like that where it's like you kind of have a strong opinions, right? So like, this challenge by Paul is like, hey, you guys, you need to keep the main thing, the main thing, and remember Christ in the midst of this. Remember who we are called to be. We're called to be united. And so there's this calling from Paul uh, to live together in unity. And the question that is asked is like, okay, well, how do we do that? And I think Paul does a really good job of this where he's like, here is what I need you to do, and this is how you do it. And it's very easier said than done, but how are we to live this way? He, in the next few verses, he says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit think of that think about that for a moment do nothing from selfish ambition do nothing like that word there's nothing it's like don't do some things it's literally do nothing from like from selfish ambition and like when I think about what I talked about earlier how we get caught up in our day-to-day lives and we're busy and we have things going and like we have our schedules who is that reflective of ourselves our lives me like one of our so one of our students when we went to retreat I was like fixing my hair in the uh in the bathroom wherever he was like so you sure spend a lot of time on your hair I was like yeah I care about what I look like and it's like this kind of thing of like one of the first things that a lot of us do some of y'all don't I'm just playing is we get up and we go and look at ourselves in the mirror right we get like we're concerned about us and, and, I, and I think that's, that's fine and okay, but it's just reflective of this natural like, thing that we as humans do, is we care about us. We care about me, myself, and I, right? I think there's a country song about that, right? I want to talk about me. I want to talk about I, right? So, like, 
Paul is saying, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Now, that's a challenge. I count other people more, you're more important than me. That's real hard to do sometimes, right? Let each of you look not only to their own interests, but also to the interests of others. And he doesn't put conditions on this. He doesn't say, like, look to, your own in, look to the interests of others if you like them. Look to the interests of others if you, if you agree with them. He just says, do nothing from selfish ambition and concern yourselves with others. There's some verses in Galatians that I love. It says, carry the burdens of other people is essentially what it gets to. That completes the law of Christ. Like, carry the burdens of other people. And the question is, like, what if we did that? What if we lived that way? And so Paul's first instruction is to live together united. And how are we to live this way? It begins with this selflessness. And so how Christians like live together as a body will like directly reflect how serious we take our following of Jesus. Like we reflect, like if we can't get along with each other and we all believe the same thing about Jesus, why would people who look at us want anything to do with it? It wouldn't make sense. Like, if the people that say that they follow and they love Jesus can't even get along, they can't even, like, care about each other, they're so divided, like, why would other people from the outside looking in want anything to do with Christianity or the church? And so we have to deal with these questions. We have to think about this. Like, if we really believe, we can have correct belief, and we can miss the whole point. And so the question, the big question we have to ask ourselves Going back to those verses, do nothing from selfish ambition. At the end of the day, whose interests are we most concerned with? Whose interests are we most concerned with? Who do you care about the most? What do you care about day to day? Like, what is your, at the end of the day, who, who did you care about? Was it you? And that's okay in some ways. I'm not, like, trying to, like, preach down at you. Because this is something I, I have to wrestle with as well. And so Paul continues on, and Paul's second instruction, he then gives like these great reminders. He, his second instruction is then, you need to be united, and you need to be humble, but keep in mind that you do this by taking on the same mindset that Christ had. And he paints this picture, and in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, we see this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So being born in the likeness of men, what we will be celebrating this month, this like Jesus coming and being human and and participating in life with humanity and living with, with us, right? And so by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the mindset of Christ, it looked like this. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And this is like, looks similar to me as this, like do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Who was never doing anything from selfish ambition? Jesus. It's a good Sunday school answer. Jesus, right? And so we are called like 
the mindset of Christ is to look like this. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, and he humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death. And the way, the way in which Jesus was able to live the life that he lived was at the heart of all that Jesus did was in obedience to his Father. He was continually being like, like a servant. He was continually being humble. He was continually allowing his life to be shaped by what he was called to be as the Son of God. And he came to die for sinners. And he came to die for the outcasts. And he came to do life with the people that it didn't make sense for him to do life with. And so he did nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. He actually found himself in the places where it never made sense for someone who was claiming to be the Son of God to be. With the people that it didn't make sense to be with. And so Jesus presents this example of like humble servanthood. And, and, and one of the greatest illustrations that I, I think of when I think about what it looks like for when Jesus is like at a place where he chooses like to serve humanity and humility and make a decision that is very difficult is in Matthew 26 at the, at the Garden of Gethsemane. He is there like the scene is set. And it goes like this. Jesus went with him to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And like Jesus knows what is coming. He knows he's going to be taken away. He knows that he's going to be beaten. He knows that he is about to go through literal hell. And like things are not looking good. He says, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prays, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. What's that last phrase? Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And it goes back to that command. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Jesus presents a perfect example of like, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. He is obedient to the point of death. He says, not as I will, but as you will, I will be obedient. So there's this presentation of Jesus in his life, continually serving people, loving people. And even at the end, he says, this is hard, but not my will, your will. And at the heart of all that Jesus did was like this obedience to his father. And we are instructed by Paul. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mindset. Have the mindset of Jesus. Have the mindset of humility have the mindset of his obedience. And we are instructed to take on the same mindset of this humble servanthood. This humble servanthood. And it's a challenge. And it's difficult. And it's hard. Mark 10, 45 is another great example. Jesus and his disciples are having a conversation. And the disciples are like, who's going to be with you at the, at the kingdom? You keep talking about this kingdom. Like, who's going to be sitting with you at the throne? Like on the left or on the right? And he's like, dude, I... Uh, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is continually, every time, there are these moments where like one of the last moments where he's with his disciples, he washes their feet. There's this continual like, illustration of humble servanthood. That's what we have to be individually and communi- communally. And our following of Jesus must seek like, to model who Jesus looked like. Like, the whole what's the phrase if it looks like a duck walks like a duck talks like a duck it's probably a duck like Christians if it looks like a Christian it walks like a Christian if it looks like Jesus if it walks like Jesus if it talks like Jesus if it responds like Jesus it might be a Christian right like this is like it's a very simple thing but it's very difficult 
This is in 1 Corinthians, another passage where Paul is writing. And he speaks of like these, these miracles and these things. And he says, you can still miss the point. In 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am noisy. I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body, be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. We can believe, 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 and miss the point. Jesus is asking us as individuals and as a community to serve him humbly to look at the world around us and, and recognize the places where there are gaps that need to be filled by his followers. Places to step in. And I don't know what that means for you. We all have individual gifts and talents and ways that Jesus wants to use us. And, and the question I go back to is, in the midst of our busyness that often reflects our own desires and the things that we want, how should we operate in the world? How should we? That little, maybe whatever you thought about earlier, maybe you had something to do that. What does that mean for you? Like, I think it's really interesting. We, I've grown up in church my whole life, and people always talk about revival, and, and they talk about, we want to see God do great things. We want to see all this stuff happen. And I agree with all of that. But we, we make those claims, and we ask those prayers, but we don't even do the simple little things of service and love. And yet we expect God to move in the midst of that and do something amazing when we can't even do the most simple things of loving people. When is the last time you force yourself to spend time with a person that made you very uncomfortable by how they smelled, how they talked, how they looked? And this is for me, too. I'm not just like, but Jesus, he is calling us to look like him. And it's very easy for me to miss the point of that. And it's very easy for all of us to miss the point of that. And the way that we live as Christians individually and communally reflects what we truly believe about God. These both reflect our beliefs, like individual and communal. You can have all the belief, and you can miss the point of it. What is it that God is asking you of this morning? Like, where is he calling you to, to change and change? engage with people that don't look like you and, and meet people in places that it doesn't make sense for you to because that was literally what Jesus did. Everything he did didn't make sense. And so this morning, I'm going to ask Austin and the band to come back up. What does it look like for us to do this individually? And I've asked some questions. Think about those questions as we move into worship. And what does it look like for us like together to do those things? How can we be continually challenged by this Jesus that was this humble servant who gave those words? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, to give his life away. As we believe in this Jesus that, that Paul talks about, as we believe in this Jesus, this Jesus that is high and exalted, we, we believe that, I believe that. Would we take on a, a life that reflects that belief in the way in which we live? In the way in which we live, would we reflect the beliefs? Or will we miss the point of what he's calling us to do? Will you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your example in teaching us what it looks like to follow you, God.
I just ask that we would not miss the point this morning, that you would challenge us and that you would show us what it is that you want from us, God. We thank you for everything that you're calling us to this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Rethinking Christianity. It was a little bit different, but, you know, when I really think about what it means to follow Jesus, I'm really challenged by the humility that uh, Jesus lived with and the way that he was very submissive to what God the Father was calling him to be and to do. And I think that when we live our lives and we think about what it means to follow Jesus, this passage out of Philippians is something that Paul writes where there's this encouragement and this exhortation of, you know, take on this humility that Jesus had and take on this servanthood that Jesus had. And so I hope that this episode was challenging for you and it gave you something to think about. If you haven't had a chance yet, uh, I'd love for you to subscribe to our channel so that you can kind of check out other stuff that we have coming out and episodes that we've done in the past. If you'd like to leave some feedback, you can do so in the comment section or leave us a review on the streaming platforms on Apple or Spotify. But thank you so much for supporting Rethinking Christianity and thank you for tuning in to today's episode.